0: just lift our hearts to the Lord. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, your love, and your kindness. We worship you this morning. We thank you for setting us totally free. Let your word penetrate our hearts and bring increase in our lives. Bless the pastor. Give him strength and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Claude. Claude, uh, Claude was giving, giving me a hard time this week uh, for... ...for having some country music, uh, you know, at the church, he said... Uh, <laughs> uh, ...and so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a an analogy today... ...that will just fit right in with that. I, I've, got a, I've got a country music analogy for you today, Claude. Uh, has anybody ever seen this movie called Walk the Line? It's, it's a movie about Johnny Cash, the, the biography of Johnny Cash. And um, there's, this, there's this great scene in the movie where Johnny Cash, who has been, he's already started to become famous, he's already got a hit song, he's already out on the circuit, he's making great money, people know who he is, but he's gotten addicted to these prescription drugs. And these pre- prescription drugs are waking him up for the show and putting him to bed after the show, and he thinks that he can control it, but over time he realizes that he can't, he can't get unstuck from the habit of taking these drugs, so there 's this great scene uh, where he invites his family over and he invites um, June Carter over and her family and it 's Thanksgiving dinner and they 're all going to have family they 're all going to have a family dinner at june at, at his house and june carter 's family and everybody 's there and there 's a lot of tension in the room because his father is one of these guys who is pretty intense and pretty self righteous and is saying you know he knows about his son 's habit and and there 's a moment in the in the scene where they look out, and in the field, Johnny Cash has purchased this very expensive tractor, this really high-end, top-of-the-line tractor, and it's stuck out in the field. It's stuck in the mud. And the father, during the exchange, starts to say to him, you know, man, you, you've got all this money, you've got all this fame, you've got all this wealth, you think you're so great, and you can't even get this tractor unstuck from the mud you know, you're, you're, he's saying you're nothing, you know, he grew up in a farming uh, life, and he, you know, worked really hard, and so he's kind of giving his son a hard time, and this, this enrages Johnny Cash in the scene, and he goes out to the field, and in the middle of dinner, sits down on the tractor, and he just starts cranking it, and you can just see he's raging, and he's trying to pull forward, and he's trying to pull back, and he's trying to pull forward, and he's trying to pull back, and he's just, he's just losing it, right, emotionally losing it, and the family are all watching him and they feel really, really sad for him because I think what they see is what we see is that this tractor being stuck in the mud is like a metaphor for his life. It's like an analogy of his life. He's got all the bells and whistles, he's got everything going for him. He's famous, he's wealthy, he's looking good, he's and everybody knows him, but he just there are parts of his life that he can't he can't break free. He's stuck. And I think if all of us are honest, if all of us are honest today, we can say that there are parts of our own lives where there's something that is persistent and habitual, and there's a persistent failure or sin or problem in our life that we have trouble breaking free from. Can, can somebody say amen to that? I mean, I might be the only one, but, but I think we all struggle in certain areas of our life, to get unstuck. And we tend to, uh, we, we, can, we can, if we're not careful, get into what I call a shame spiral, where we start to, we, we, we try, we have our best intentions, we you know put ourselves out there, and then we fail, and then we feel guilt and shame, and then we try again, and then we fail again, and we feel guilt and shame, and we look back at our life and we go, how come I can't just free myself from this issue? Whatever it is, how come I can't free myself from this issue? And we're going to talk today about getting unstuck, about how the gospel can liberate us from these persistent sins, these persistent habits, these persistent failures and flaws in our life that hold us back and keep us from being totally, completely liberated. Um, Your particular habit or sin or temptation is going to be particular to you you know we they're all essentially the same there's nobody experiencing anything that hasn't been experienced by somebody else and the truth is there's everything that you're experiencing in your life probably somebody else in this room is also experiencing the same thing right because we are a congregation of sinners not a congregation of saints we're a congregation of sinners saved by grace Right, So whatever it is that you're struggling with, somebody else is probably struggling with it too. And if they're not struggling in this room, it's not, you, you can probably throw a rock and hit somebody else that's got the same issue. Um, the great lie about sin is that it is liberating. The, 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 the lie that sin sort of masquerades as is that sin is a liberator. Like, I want to be free, so I'm just going to go do whatever I want. And the other great lie is that the gospel is constricting and restraining and binding. When in fact, the opposite of both of these things is true. The gospel is absolutely liberating. The gospel of Christ, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, right? He whom the son has set free is free indeed. So the whole point of Jesus coming to to the earth is to set you and me free from the burden and the weight of sin. And the whole point of sin is to ensnare and trap you and hold you back and hold you down. But it's masquerading as liberty, right? The scriptures say in in, uh, Proverbs 5, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. Whatever that sin is, it ensnares you. It traps you. It binds you. You know, you may struggle with anger, Okay, you may have, you may find yourself, you know, having moments where you just sort of go into a rage and then you come out of it and you go, I don't even understand what just happened. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that to that person, you know, or it may be some, uh, a, a sin of, of overindulgence. You may find that over and over in your life, you overindulge in something to the detriment of something better. And then afterwards you go, why did I do that? I mean, I just, I just, I shouldn't have done that. Right. It may be a, there's the sin that you struggle with most may be lust, where, you know, you keep finding yourself with habits that you don't want to do, whether it's pornography or, or you know, um, s- sinful thoughts or, or interactions with uh, folks that you don't, you shouldn't be interacting in that way with, right? Or it may be bitterness or jealousy. You may look around at other people and go, uh, you know, I don't know why they got what they've got and i don't have what they've got and you find yourself getting bitter and angry and you know what i mean i mean so so i'm not going to be able to hit them all but some somewhere you're going to fit into one of these right or maybe more um and if you don't then then you're all let me just tell you something you're all alone you're all alone in this room all right because our great leader our great you know uh, uh man of the faith the apostle paul says this he says i don't understand my own actions we went through this verse the other day, but I love it. I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but instead I do the very thing that I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Right? So all of us, including the Apostle Paul, Peter, James and John, <laughs> everybody, every disciple, every follower of Christ from from the day one until today struggles with this problem of persistent habits and persistent temptations and persistent sins that keep sort of holding us back. All right, we all agree to that. So I want to talk just a few uh, a few moments today. This will be a short sermon, um, and you're like, "Oh, good, the, sh- the sermon on sin is short." All right, good. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm going to talk just for a few moments today about how we can break free. What is the process by which we can break free from some of these sinful habits and 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 issues that keep coming up? And the first principle I want to talk about is this: know your pattern. Know your pattern. Um, in 2008 there were some researchers from northeastern university and they did this really interesting study what they did is they got a hundred thousand they got the numbers of a hundred thousand anonymous cell phone users and they were able to track their mobility around the city in which they lived um, by looking at the data from phone towers so you know you're on your cell phone it's it's transmitting to a certain tower but then if you go you know, a couple miles further one direction, it'll go to another tower. So they were able to look at this data and look at, uh, all of the information about these cell phones. And they were able to track the mobility of the cell phone users. So they were able to see, they didn't know who they were, but they were able to see that these people, you do the same sort of pattern over and over and over again in their travels. Um, we tend to think that we're sort of spontaneous and we, sometimes we just might run out and go do this or go do that. But what they have found is that when you think you're being spontaneous, you're actually part of a larger pattern. So if you say, you know what, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to go up to White Castle today. You know, I haven't done that for a long time. Well, if they track you, they'll find that you're pretty consistent. It might be once every six months. It might be, you know, three times a day. I don't know. That's, that's, your, that's your call. But, but you know, there's a, there's a consistency to your pattern. In our lives, in our emotional life, in our intellectual life, in our behavioral life, there are patterns. Whether we know it or not, we kind of do things over and over and over again. And in our temptation life, in the pattern of sin and habits in our life, there are also patterns. There are are moments that lead up to us tripping and falling. It doesn't just happen spontaneously like, whoa, how did that happen? There's a pattern that leads up to it, right? Right? And so the first principle I want to talk about just for a few minutes is know your pattern. Know what it is. Know your triggers. Know what your habits are. Um, In Lamentations, it says, let us uh, test and examine our ways. Let's take a moment to reflect on what it is that we are doing. What is it that leads us? What what is it that precipitates us tripping up and falling and sinning? What is it? What's our pattern? um, in, uh, Matthew 26:41 says, watch and pray, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Jesus said this to his disciples when they were literally falling asleep. They were literally falling asleep at the garden when he was trying to pray, right? But a lot of us, although we may not literally be asleep, although, you know, if the sermon lasts too long, some of you might, but, but we are all, we're all at times figuratively asleep, Right? figuratively our own spirits we can kind of shut down and sort of be oblivious to what it is that we keep doing right we can be figuratively uh, figuratively asleep and he's saying wake up watch know your pattern know what you're doing so that you will not enter into temptation over and over and over again and then i love uh in first corinthians paul says therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls Take heed, be aware, wake up, know your pattern, get, uh, know what's going on, know what is precipitating your fall, right? What this means, what I think this means is that we all have sort of what I'll call triggers, right? We're not all tempted at the same time, right? Some of you may be tempted in the daytime, some of you may be tempted at night. You know, so no, like, questions you wanna ask yourself. When are you tempted? When are you tempted? Are you tempted in the morning? You know, because you're feeling surly and suddenly you want to bark at somebody and then you're being mean. Are you tempted at night? Are you tempted at, you know, at de- in the day, in the, in the middle of the day when you're, you know, just floating through the afternoon and you find yourself that, that's when I find myself being tempted. Um, where are you tempted? Are you tempted when you're alone? Maybe you're tempted alone in your house at night, right? Or maybe you're tempted when you're at work, you're with a particular colleague or in a certain environment, or you go out and it's a, you know, it's a Friday night and you're, you're having fun with your friends and then you suddenly find that you're falling prey to temptation, right? So know where, when you're tempted, where you're tempted, with whom you're tempted. Sometimes chemistry makes things happen that wouldn't happen otherwise. You get with one person and suddenly you're like, how come I always get in trouble when I'm with this one person? And I don't get in trouble when I'm with other people, Right? So you want to examine with whom you are, and and maybe it's you're alone when you're tempted, but a lot of times you know, just the right person, and, and you know you're with a certain person, and, and suddenly you keep going, man. Every time I'm with that person, I, I mess up. Um, and the last one is, what's your pre temptation emotional state? Like, what is your what's the state of mind or the state of heart that you're in right before you're tempted? Are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling underappreciated? Are you feeling frustrated? Are you ticked off? You know, what is it? You know, what what's going on right before you are tempted? Because usually, if you are observant, you will find that there's a pattern. There's a pattern. You start to get, you know, you get in a fight with your spouse or with a friend or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And then, you, you know, you feel neglected or you feel angry or whatever. And then, boom, you're tempted, right? So, number one is know your patterns, okay? Number two is avoid rather than resist. Avoid rather than resist. Resisting temptation, once it's right in front of you, is very, very difficult. Right? Can somebody say amen? When it's right there, it's difficult. But when it's far, far away, when you avoid it completely, it's much easier. It's much easier. Um, the, the pastor out in California, um, Rick Warren, who um, taught this series uh, to his church said and I thought this was interesting that when, when he travels uh, there are a, a number of boundaries that he puts around himself as a minister number one is he doesn't he, he's never alone in a room with a person of the opposite sex with the door closed that's just one of the boundaries that he puts around himself as a pastor okay when he travels and he, and he travels a lot he's never alone so he keeps a male staff member with him at all times so, you know, that way when he comes home late, at not late to a hotel from a conference or whatever, he's not tempted to turn on the TV and watch something he shouldn't watch, right? Or, you know, the other thing is, you know, people can account for him at all times, right? So if there's a false accusation, somebody can say, no, I was with him. <laughs> and he was snoring really loudly in the next, in the next bed, you know. So, so he builds these boundaries because he knows that he doesn't want to put himself in a position where he is trying to resist the temptation that's right there. He wants to avoid it. He wants to skip it. He wants to go around it. So I think, it's, I think it's a very wise principle for all of us to put these boundaries in place, right? They're not law. It's not, this is not legalism. This is just good. It's just wisdom. It's just smart. Put some boundaries in place. Um, Proverbs, 20, or Proverbs 4, Proverbs four twenty five twenty seven says, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Like, don't don't go up to evil as close as you can without touching it, right? You know, if you don't want to get burned, stay away from the fire, okay? Um, in uh, First Timothy, and, and then throughout other passages, and I won't go all through, through them, but there's this principle where Uh, where we run from evil, right? Just stay away from it. But but as for you, O man of God, run from evil things and pursue righteousness. Like, run from it. Run, hide, get away, get far, far away. Um, My my father, who was a pastor for many years uh, and a great, great man of God, he also had those same boundaries that he just put in place. And the benefit of that was that he had a very happy, loving marriage his whole life until he passed away. Uh, There was never any concern. There was never any allegation of indiscretion. Uh, He was, my mom felt reassured by the boundaries that he put in place. He felt reassured by the boundaries that he put in place, right? So you do these, you put these boundaries in place and it just secures you, right? Rebecca and I have the same, these same boundaries. This is the way we do it. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not alone with people of the opposite sex, We have, you know, and and this is, you know, I'll just get personal with you. We have a joint Facebook account. We have, uh, she has access to all my emails. I have access to her emails. Our phones are, you know, interchangeable, essentially. Um, So don't send me something highly confidential by email unless you want her to read it. Um, Not that she's, not that she's reading my emails, but she can, right? Um, What I'm saying is we have just decided as a couple to build up really, a really good buffer zone around our relationship, um, and folks may say, you know, that's kind of extreme, you know, but you know what? The divorce rate in this country is extreme too, right? You know, and pastors who keep getting messed up in indiscretions, that's also extreme, you know? And so saints and, and Christians who keep tripping up and messing up, that's also extreme. So I'm not, if I err on the side of extreme on this end, that's fine with me right because i'm not really worried about how it, the appearance right i'm 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 concerned about the effectiveness so i'm going to go ahead and build some boundaries around myself and my relationship and my life so that i can avoid rather than t- rather than resist amen okay <laughs> all right so that's number 2 number 3 and i talk about this all the time make yourself accountable you got to be accountable to other people because nothing else it, it will not work it will not work unless you're accountable to other people. Let me tell you this. If there's something going on in your life that you cannot talk to someone about, then you're not in control of it. You're not in control of it. It's in control of you. So if there's something going on in your world that you're doing or thinking or saying, and you can't share it with somebody else in, a, you know, in, a, in, a, in an environment where you know, there's healing and, and trust and confidence then it's got control of you because everything you know the power of sin is in the secret when we bury it uh it's got control of us when we expose it to the light then we can fix it it can be addressed it can be it can be it can be changed Um, i want to think of it like this when i talk about accountability and sharing and confession think about it like this if you're carrying some habit or some persistent temptation or some sin in your life you're carrying it all alone right the moment you confess it to someone that you trust, you have just found someone to help you carry the burden. So the burden, whatever it is, is not going to get heavier. It's going to get lighter. Okay? And you think, you may anticipate that, oh my gosh, it'll be so embarrassing and shameful if I share this with someone. It won't be. Because what they're going to do, nine times out of ten, if they're, if they're a, you know, a solid person who's thoughtful and who loves you and, and who you can trust, they'll go, I get that. Yeah, I mean, I might not struggle from, with that particular issue, but I get it. That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't blow my mind, right? You, you'll be surprised at how unsurprising your sins are. <laughs> you would be really surprised at how unsurprising your sins are. Um, so make yourself accountable. Ecclesiastes 4, we did this last week, but I want to just say it again. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and doesn't have anybody to lift him up. If you're out there stumbling and you're on your own, it's hard to get back up. But when you've got somebody to go, okay, got you, man. I'm going to help you. I'm going to pick you back up. You know, I'm going to help lift you up out of this, right? Then it makes everything, it makes everything easier, right? A three a threefold cord can't be broken, right? You, you put your life out there with other people and, you know, it, it, you'll be so much stronger. You'll recover from sin. There'll be temptations that seem to, to, to sort of, you know, that, that seem unbearable now that will just sort of fade away because once you share it and once you have some people being help, you know, holding you accountable and you're holding them accountable, it lifts. It really does. I promise you. I've got my own accountability group of guys. I know their business. They know mine. We work together. We talk about it. It's out there. Right. And we and we help each other and we hold each other accountable. How are you doing on this, man? What's going on in this? You know, and it's good. OK. Um, and I think that uh, I was going to do James 5, 16, but um, uh, we did that last week. And, and that just says, confess your sins one to another. Right. So that you may be healed. And then in first John, it says, uh, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we got to confess them, right? So I'm going to encourage you, strongly encourage you, find somebody in your life that that, that is going to be confidential and is going to be trustworthy and share and expose the stuff that's going on in your life, right? You can share it with me, you can share it with somebody else in your life group, or if you have a friend that you trust deeply, or if, you need, if it's something that you really, really, really need help with and it's a big, big issue in your life, there's Avenues Counseling. That's the group that we sponsor. You call them, they will help you. They'll walk you through it. And there's no shame right there's no shame in exposing the issues in our lives so that we can be healed and so that we can get help that's what it's all about right this is a place where there should be unconditional love and help and reaching out and addressing the issues that are going on in people's lives and if it's not that then we're playing church and we should cut it out right you know cuz you could just sleep in on sunday morning but if this is not a place of real life transformation then we're just messing around okay so so just know that this is that this is available to you right confess open your heart accountability there's a great moment when jesus is talking to his disciples and he's not talking about sin he's talking about prayer and he says to, and these are people that he loves these are people that he's going to hand off the kingdom to these are the people that he's going to put in charge of spreading his gospel right and he's talking to them and he goes you know if you guys being evil know how to give good gifts to your children then uh, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him right and you're like, wait a minute, back up. What did you say? If you, being evil, right? So it's, it's like an offhanded comment that he makes about his closest friends. He says, hey, by the way, you know, you know and I know that you're evil. Okay. But carrying on, moving on, you know, it's like it's no big deal. He's just saying, look, I know you're evil. You know you're evil. Everybody just, he just assumes that, right? So the assumption in the body of Christ is that we all struggle and that we all sin. And so confess it. Get it out there. Okay. I don't want to keep hammering that home, but I, <laughs> okay, number four is get back up. I'm keeping with the cowboy theme, Claude. Um, uh, get back up. Now, my grandfather, Guy Rome, who was a pastor, he had uh, some American saddlebred horses. He liked horses, and some of you knew him, and some of you know this stuff about him, but, but, but he had these horses, and they were out in uh, Warrington way out in Warrington, and there was a stable, and all this kind of stuff, and um, he had a guy that trained the horses, my, my grandpa's name was Guy, Guy Rome, and the horse trainer, ironically, was named Dude, Dude Burton, <laughs> no, no joke, seriously, so, so, you know, gra- my grandpa would take me, and they would go out, and be like, hey, Guy, what's up, dude, and, uh, <laughs> and, they would go out, and then we would go sit, and we would eat, you know, at a little diner out in Warrenton. and these guys would be talking about horses, you know, and drinking coffee, and, and I was just a little kid, and, um, and then we'd go over to the farm, and my grandpa had this thing where he would say, we'd walk out to the farm, there'd be these horses there, and he'd say, you know, Brent, why don't you go ahead and go ahead and get on one of those horses, he'd say, uh, and this was the phrase that he always used, that horse is green broke, it's green broke, and Broke a a horse that's broke means you can ride it like it's been trained a horse That's not broke means you better not get on it. It'll buck you off Green broke horse. I'm not exactly sure what that means I think what he meant was it's kind of broke, but not totally broke. It's partially broke So I would get on these green broke horses and inevitably I would get bucked off right but but My grandpa always would we would never leave the farm until I had gotten back up on the horse And then gotten off by my under my own will right at some point it might only be okay I'm back on and now I'm gonna get off right But he didn't want the last image in my mind to be I got bucked off and didn't get back on right so Long way of saying Let's persist. Let's get back up when we fail Don't beat yourself up and spiral yourself down and out of control You got to get back up because you're gonna fail you're gonna fall ...and it's just going to happen... ...and we just get back up and we keep on trucking. Okay? Um, Proverbs 24, 16... ...the righteous falls seven times and rises again. Now, we've all probably fallen more than seven times... ...but that's just a a metaphorical way of saying... ...you're going to keep falling... ...but just keep getting back up. Just keep getting back up. Um, I like in Philippians... ...it says, ...brothers, I do not consider that I have taken hold of it... ...but one thing I do... forgetting those things that are behind... And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is Paul saying, I'm not there yet, okay? I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep persisting and I'm going to keep trying, right? Because the only failure is when you just don't get back up and you say, you know what, I'm, I can't do it. I keep messing up and I'm over it and I can't get back up. That's the, that's the failure. It's not failure to, to, to fall and get back up, right? We just get back up and we keep moving. I love this quote and I put it in your bulletin. Nelson Mandela says, I am not a saint unless you think of a saint as a sinner who keeps on trying, right? We just have to keep on trying. And while we're doing that, and I'm going to end with this, while we're trying, while we're trying to get up and go on and, and, and stumble and rise, and stumble and fi- rise, let us not forget that we are doing it under the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior. His mercy covers us. His grace redeems us, restores us. This is, we're not doing it alone. We're not doing it under the harsh eyes of judgment. We're doing it in an environment where God is saying, I get it. Come on, let's go. Let's get back up. We're, gonna, we're okay. We're going to make it. It's going to be all right. Okay, let's go. Let's get it back up and let's try again. And um, if, you, if you read uh, Hebrews 4, I love this. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The high priest is Jesus. But one who in every respect, every respect has been tempted as we are. He's been tempted in the same category as you in the same way as you, and yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He knows our weakness. He's felt your weakness. He's been tempted like you, so go to him in confidence, not shamefaced. Not dragging, you know, dragging and your tail between your legs. Go to him in confidence. Because he's been there. He's covering you with grace and mercy. He loves you. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. That's his goal. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be completely and totally free. Amen? There's gonna They're, they're going to sing a song in just a few minutes. But I'm going to just give you some of the lyrics. It's called Man of Sorrows. And it says, Man of Sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Hallelujah. What a bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement. Can it be? Hallelujah. What a savior. I, would, I just want to say, hallelujah, what a savior. When we fall, we can get back up. He covers us with his grace, and we just keep keep moving towards him. Amen? Amen. Amen. How many of you want to be totally free today? We can do that. We can be totally free in Christ. So um, just in closing today, I just want to, I'm going to pray with you. And, and as you pray, really just ask God to to help you. Like, open your heart and just say, God, can you help me with this issue in my life? Can you guide me? Can you lead me? Can you take me where you want me to be? Can you free me so that I can be the man or the woman that you want me to be? Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray.